And hello, everyone. We are back with another episode of Voices in the Back, the podcast. And today we are here with a very exciting guest. Some of you may know her already, and if you don't, you absolutely need to. Today we are talking to the Lieutenant Sonny. How are we doing? Good, good. What's up, everybody? I'm so excited to be here. <laughs> That's good to hear. So for um, the uninitiated, give us uh, give us the, the elevator pitch or maybe just a little background on who Lieutenant Sonny is. Yes, yes. So I'm Lieutenant Sonny. My pronouns are she, her, hers. I'm a rapper, singer, dancer, entertainer, public speaker, activist, abolitionist, everything that is uh, just and upright. And I am a sex educator. Um, super excited to be here. And yeah, I'm all about I'm all about the good stuff. <laughs> awesome. I was gonna, like, I was trying to I was trying to keep track of um, how many like uh, superlatives you listed off there. I was gonna say like, what what do we even what do you even call after after the triple threat has been met? The... Oh right, right, exactly. <laughs> you like the like DefCon threat of uh, entertainment. It sounds like and 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 education partially as well too. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I love that. <laughs> um, so um, just a little bit more about yourself. Um, have you always called Minnesota home? Yes, for a majority of my life. Yes, I have the Twin Cities. Okay, and so did you? You grew up for a majority of the life then here in the Twin Cities. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was born in Grand Rapids, Michigan, raised in St. Paul, Rondo, Frogtown community, and then nice. migrated over to Minneapolis in my early 20s to present. So, yeah. Okay, awesome. I was going to say, you, bet, you better shout out specifically where so we can all judge you. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, it's that serious. So, yeah. Okay, um, so uh, how long... You know, it's it's hard when you list off so many so many talents and, and intersections of, of kind of what Lieutenant Sonny is all about. I guess though, Voices in the Back, uh, you know, funded by the the wonderful MMC Minnesota Music Coalition. We love you. Thank you for all the money for making mm -hmm. this. And um, <laughs> so, uh, when did you start getting into the music scene here? Mm -hmm. So I want to say it was back in 2012. I uh, was actually, you know, dance used to be my priority, but I was introduced to um, uh, amazing program called Culture Club Collaborative. And at the time they were doing an artist residency with big quarters. Um, I think it's Brandon and Medium Zach were um, teaching the young folk. I was a young person back then. Sure. And they were teaching an um, engineering residency. I came through. They were like, you should lay something down. It was my first time hearing my voice over uh, a beat and a track. And I fell in love. And I've been doing it ever since. And that was the moment that you're like, this is, mm -hmm. this is, this is definitely one of the stronger callings. Absolutely. As a musician, Absolutely. at least. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did you, so obviously you like that, because I was going to say, I feel like, you know, I have, like, a very early memory of, like, being in, like, Boy Scouts at, like, a radio studio field trip or something, and we, all of us, like, hearing ourselves, you know, on, like, mic and stuff like that, and, like, hating my voice like most people do, but <laughs> you, you, it sounds like you didn't have that issue from the get-go. No, I didn't, and it's funny because 
uh, I, I've actually recently started hearing that the people's first time on the mic, they hate, hated hearing their voice. But what's funny is when I started to develop my voice, then I started to get more critical. It was really interesting. So it's like this it's, it's this love-hate thing that we as artists do. Yeah. Um, but in the beginning, I fell in love. I loved the sound of my voice over the track. And I was very passionate about the topic as well. Awesome. Love to hear that. Um, so back in 2012, kind of getting into the scene and stuff like that. Um, I feel like I never really kind of, uh, caught wise to you until only like a few years ago. Did you, were you kind of like, were, were you recording a lot of material initially and not gigging as much or were you hitting a lot of rooms back in the day then or? Mm-hmm. I want to say that. Um, and like, uh, in my earlier years, I want to say it was definitely a more like studious, like student, like I'm forever a student for sure. But I was, I feel like I was putting in my dues and like putting experience under my belt and, uh, meeting people, networking and, um, experiencing different communities, different community leaders, the culture of the Twin Cities music scene, um, and also to to be extremely transparent, um, there's mm-hmm. definitely uh, you know like the the hip hop scene on a larger scale is very white in in um, Minnesota. Yes. you know what I'm saying. Ryan so there's Sayers. those politics. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I mean, we all it's know a, it. Come on. Like. Yeah, yeah, right. And so what's crazy is like uh, being a young person, being in love. I was raised on hip hop, R and B, and gospel mainly, and so yeah. I'm seeing black and brown faces my whole life. But then when I look right into my backyard, and I'm like, oh, okay, like I see black and brown faces doing the thing. But on a larger scale, I'm like, where, where are my people? And so I had to learn those things as well. And I feel like there's like, you know, there's slight changes happening. People are Mm -hmm. kicking down doors and doing things differently. So I think that that plays a huge role is why myself and other um, black and brown femme artists, femme queer artists are, are, you know, we're trying to work our way up there. So there are people reaching down to pull us up where we need to be. So it's definitely a collaborative effort. But yes, that's probably why you hadn't heard of me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's tough out there. I mean, obviously, uh, Psalm one comes to mind when I kind of think of, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. what you have had to navigate as a black woman as well too. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a real thing. I I always thought that was so curious kind of with like the, the rhyme stairs thing. I mean, like I, I get it on like a lot of points and I mean, there is some really, you know, like I, I can't deny that like idea was like a dope freestyler, but like, you know, <laughs> and, like some folks like that, but um, yeah, it's really a bummer. Cause it's like, I think, you know, people like you know that the talent is out there, but uh, mm-hmm. you know, it's mm-hmm. not necessarily, um, you know, I was the most, equitable table that we're all sitting at here um Mm -hmm. i think that's probably then a great point here to kind of segue into kind of what vitb you know the larger discussion at hand here as you know this is a podcast where above all we are trying to platform you know up and coming or even you know well-known artists like yourself in the city here and you know our bipoc artists in the city here so i want to ask you now we're gonna we'll jump into kind of the um uh the the heavier stuff but i want to ask you like 
growing up in St. Paul, stuff like that. And what was, was there like a moment in your life that you kind of realized that maybe your community at large viewed you differently or, you know, kind mm-hmm. of like othered you? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, my grandmother was a very, she was a black Panther back in her day and she oh, was hell always, yeah, grandma. Yeah, yeah, rest in heaven. Um, she was always very in the know about politics and different things like that. And um mm-hmm. my mother my mother was definitely um very uh you know, into activism as well. So I, I grew up around women who were like very vocal about different things and taking action t- towards uh, taking action against injustice and mm-hmm. inequality and things like that. However, like I, I heard the words and I knew the stuff and I saw the women fighting. Right. But it wasn't until like uh, I was like in like I want to say like in grade school, like around eight, eighth or eighth or ninth grade or something like that. I was like around 11 or 12 when I started to realize like the stuff that I was going through, excuse me, as a young black girl mm-hmm. was systemic. You know what I'm saying? Now, I didn't have the language, but I'm like, I'm being right. treated different by the teachers and stuff like that. So I, c- I could call it out, but I didn't know that there were terms and things like that for these things. And um, there's just a certain level of, you know, like there's a certain level of like uh, a veil that's over your eyes as a kid yeah. until you're older and in the world. And so as I, I'm going to say in my early 20s, like I definitely started to um you know have more experiences where i could see the things and i could do more research and ask more questions and be around more like-minded uh vocal activists who are actually acknowledging these things and helping me understand and help me educate myself so early on like i knew that you know like it went from you know labeling you know the young black the little black girl as disruptive i was constantly suspended when i was in school like grade school and that's another systemic thing that young black girls go through too that's a pretty big deal so i'm thinking that i'm a bad kid when really it's like no get this black girl out of here so it's just different when you're loud (laughs) exactly right so yeah so yeah i I, it was always something different but as i got older i was like oh there's language for this oh there's a system that is in place of this like you know things like that I think that's a really, really good and kind of powerful way to put that, that there, there's language to this. And like uh, that, you know, immediately while you're talking about that, like I, I flash back to, you know, my grade school days as well. Like, and I grew up in a, in a small town in Minnesota and like, mm. I can remember all the time, like my like first grade teachers and stuff, like literally it was like me and there's like one like afro latino kid in my class and like we both had like i had like long like longer like straight hair he was just like real real tight buzz cut and like and like he had like you know his hair was like black like not like you know not like straight like mine and they would constantly like constantly mix us up and like bro we look oh my nothing. Like yeah. he had like big dorky glasses too. It probably it didn't is. help that. Of course, we became very close friends because we're like, right. "Sup, <laughs> just mm-hmm. us, huh?" But um, right, we gotta but, stick together. But like, I, I think the the kind of bigger takeaway I was getting at here is like, you, it's really shitty. Like when you're a kid like that, because yeah, you don't you don't have like the language to articulate like 
hey, like, this is messed up. But, like, mm-hmm. you know, you can still recognize that at such a young age. Like, Absolutely. Ugh. All right. Well, um, probably keep moving along here. I want to say, obviously, this city has been through a lot in the last mm-hmm. few years. Um, I want to touch on you personally, and then we can kind of go to the music scene as a whole here. But uh, but I do want to ask because I, I've gotten a lot of interesting responses, and I also feel like mm-hmm. this touches very close to home for me too because I feel like I've, I've very radically changed in a lot of ways just in the last two years. So for you, mm-hmm. like... Have you seen any sort of of big change or metamorphosis or or any big 180s since the year 2020 here? Um, Absolutely. So uh, I definitely want to, well, first and foremost, I want to acknowledge that outside of COVID, the the biggest thing that's in our face, like even bigger than COVID is, the revolution that took place after the murder of George Floyd, you know, and I feel like that was a turning point worldwide that we got to see that racism is still very much alive and prevalent and it took the blanket off of whatever the sheet off of whatever was there. You know, it's like right in our face. There's no Mm -hmm. denying it. We we see it in real time and there's video evidence of these things, you know? Um, So (laughs) this isn't really, up for discussion anymore you know and yeah. so i th- i think that that it really you know like i'm i'm definitely a a spiritual person and i definitely think like from a spiritual perspective it was kind of like now where do we go from here now since we see this in our face in real time where do we go from the here and it was like uh it was like i really feel like the the uproar and the uprising was a spiritual response to all the silencing and policing and the systems and oppression and the things that have been, you know, like, uh, you know, like been, we've been gaslit and manipulated out of thinking that Mm -hmm. these issues of racism, patriarchy, sexism, homophobia, size, all the things, right. Massage noir don't exist, you know? And it's like, no, it's really here and there's no denying it. So the changes that I've seen, which I feel like there's double-edged swords because I, I'm, I'm not, I don't believe in crisis. I don't believe in responding in crisis. I think that responding in crisis is, is inherently racist and it's rooted in white supremacy. You know what I'm saying? So the movement that happened, like the white people who were responding mm-hmm. in crisis, you know what I'm saying? Without a, without a five to ten year plan or actually working through a process of um, eradicating injustices and helping like black folk, black and brown folks, black businesses, black movements actually get up and, you know, get some more momentum up under them and have longevity. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just really think that, you know, it's like, it's good that the certain things are happening, but I think like some people need to slow down and really rethink where they're like, their why you know like are you moving out of guilt are you donating out of guilt are you sending reparations out of guilt you know like that's a part Mm -hmm. of it but i need i need more longevity like what's the plan after this you know like and stuff like that so um to get back to the question like i think that there is definitely i've i've seen large changes like in in large organizations like with white folks stepping out of positions of power and mm-hmm. moving moving to allow uh, black and brown people to have space 
in positions where, you know, our voices need to be, our representation needs to be, um, you know, and things like that. I see that. And also I think it's a double-edged sword too, because it's like the, like diversity and uh, inclusion, wait, what is it? Uh, diversity and equity inclusion Yes. Has been, a you know, like that term and like that work has been so much more prevalent in these last two years. And, you know, I'm seeing a lot of different workshops and all this and that blah, blah, blah happening at a fast rate, which is great. And at the same time, it's like, you know, are we really getting to the meat and potatoes of these things? And are we throwing black and brown people in still really risky and harmful um, work environment situations uh, without having done the work? Um, and then, you know, another piece to that is I definitely believe in the intercultural development continuum. There's like seven different phases that a community of people need to go through before they integrate. And I feel like what what white guilt and people who respond in crisis do is they jump right to the integration. And it's like, no, it's not safe for black and brown people to be there because you haven't gone through those uh, what seven, five to seven phases before um integration so but that's just you know that's my elevator spiel about that stuff. <laughs> sure <laughs> sure because i could get going but i know we're on a time constraint but yeah no i no i love it i'm, I'm sure our listeners will love it um i, I was kind of thinking too like you know, I feel like when I have a lot of these conversations with like my BIPOC friends too, like I, I kind of like as of lately, I can't help but like think of kind of like that like Twitter meme that that's been circling around. I feel like a, a little more lately, and, and you know, I'm sure there's something very telling about just the timing of it too. But like that like Twitter meme of like someone's like, remember those like three weeks when like all these white people like discovered what like mutual aid was and stuff. And like, right, like we right. were like all like looking out for each other and, and then yeah. like the black squares came and then, and then everyone just kind of shut the fuck up and like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Cause it's like, I mean, obviously that was nice. And like, yeah, like I think you kind of touched on some of the points of like, I, I think that there has maybe been some, some changes. Like I, I certainly feel like I see a lot more like, uh, this brewery now has like a uh, diversity uh, equity person, <laughs> like you know, yeah. or whatever. And yeah, but but yeah, it, it's still I, I don't know. I guess what I'm getting is like, do you do you feel optimistic or like, are are you like jaded or just tired at all? Because you know, I feel like people like us can really you know kind of run anywhere between those those feelings and everything in between. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. And I'm glad that you, I'm glad that you asked that question because I know, I know we're going to get to, you know, like the part of the conversation where you can say, where, where can we find you and what are you up to musically? So we're going to get to that, but I'm just going to drop a quick nugget. Uh, oh, absolutely. I get tired. I get exhausted. I'm, I'm exhausted. I'm black. I'm always tired, but, um, but no, um, Nerdy was actually on a panel uh, that was orchestra. Uh, Former was guest Nerdy. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> he was on a panel with uh, uh, To Our Speaks, founded by Tish Jones, and it was Louis Blaze, uh, Dr. Joy Lewis, um, and a few other people. Mm-hmm. So sorry, I can't think of your names right now, but y'all, y'all are in my mind all the time. Um, but they talked about how to how to um, participate in the uprising in a way that is true to your skills and 
how to safely participate in the uprising and sure. you know what I'm saying? To, to take your skills and put them where um, they best fit for you and all that good stuff. So, cause like no um, knock on anyone, but like not everyone can be on the front lines, you know? No, 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 not everybody is and not in, and Matt has uh, nerdy. have talked about this fish. Dr. Joy Lewis have talked about how like, you know, de-escalation is really important. Knowing mm-hmm. how to communicate, Knowing how to communicate with cops in a very escalated situation, knowing your rights, uh, all that good stuff. So I think that panel still exists uh, on Facebook Live. If you ever, if anyone under the sound of my voice ever wants to re-listen to it or re-watch it, it's still available. Um, right and two arts is constantly doing work uh, like this. But to answer your question, yes, I do get tired. Um, optimistic? Yeah. No, you know I don't get optimistic. I, I've actually learned not to be optimistic because, you know, like I have very, uh, very transparent conversations with my with the with the white peers I have in my life, and I let them know, like, um, you know, racism doesn't supersede our fr- uh, racism supersedes our friendship, right? So it's like our friendship and mm-hmm. our our love, you know, like we have a foundation and things like that. And also racism was way more powerful than, than that. So I can't, I can't be, I can't put myself in harm's way and assume that you're one of the good ones, you know, quote unquote, (laughs) like that's how personal racism is to me. Right. Like I have to be, I have to unfortunately be aware at all times where I am at any time, not only just because I'm black, like insert the layers, like intersectionality, right. I'm, I'm black, queer, female you know what i'm saying i'm a big bodied person all Mm -hmm. these different things so there's a lot of systems that are in place to disrupt my sanity disrupt my safety and all that so um hopeful i'm hopeful i'm hopeful also uh you know there's a lot of change that needs to happen in our society and i don't i don't think that i don't even know truly what justice would look like for my ancestors right so yeah the learning you know so we're still going and but i think the best thing what gets me most excited is when people wake up and start educating themselves and get and get get in the movement like jump in you know yeah so yeah when it when it when they finally start really critically listening i feel like yeah like big 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 turning point in that um so let's get back to the music here i want to ask you um do you feel like in the last couple years now since kind of everything pandemic uprising went down um do you see like you you've felt or seen any kind of big changes in the music scene or itself or like how has the last two years also um maybe like affected your you know your corner of the scene or maybe how you approach your work your artistic work as well uh-huh um uh, okay so that's a that's a really interesting question um here's what i'm gonna say say it <laughs> <laughs> You're right because i you know it's a, it's a lot to chew on in adi- okay, so in addition to me being a part of the music scene, I'm still educating myself on different things, right? Of course. So I want, yeah. So I want to say definitely when COVID hit back in 2020, I was I was being educated on people who you know I, I was in proximity with, right? So like, there was sure. a lot of 
there was a lot of call outs happening and there was lists going around and people coming out about their experience with <laughs> um, SA and, you know, yeah. abuse and all these different things. And I was like, whoa. And some of those lists that came out, I'm like, I've been in proximity with these people. I've been at, at workshops. Uh, and so I'm like, yo, I really have to take a step back and figure out what boundaries and expectations that I have in place and standards that I have in place when I move through the world and when I enter, like when I enter to these spaces, what, what am I, what's my standard? What are my boundaries? What are my expectations? Um, and, you know, like uh, I'm a big advocate on, you know, go, go where the love is and go where the respect is. You know, it is out there. Um, we got to find it, you know, unfortunately we got to work hard to find it, but yeah. Um, right. So I definitely do see changes. Um, and also I think one of the, one of the amazing changes that I'm going to call out is I'm a part of one of the dopest rap justice leagues in the world called fair play, um, fair play entertainment. It was actually created by nerdy, one of the former guests on here. And so the idea is for us to come together and, um, and build, build rapport with each other and build relationships with each other, share resources with each other and uplift one another, you know? And so I think, you know, little pockets of people coming together and, you know, building off their skills and things like that is, that gives me hope as well. So are there changes? Absolutely. Um, and we'll, we'll see if the people who, to go back to what we were talking about, about mm-hmm. the Twin Cities having a real white hip hop seeing you know what i'm saying at the forefront like when you think of minnesota who do you think of outside of prince you know like yeah. are, when are we gonna have <laughs> when are we gonna have that really real conversation and what are the people who are at in that spot gonna do about it to make that change you know so yeah i, I think so this just reminded me of like a very funny like like rhyme sayers adjacent story of mine because it was i mean yeah it was it, it was weird, but also, like, we understand kind of, like, why why they, like, popped off. But, like, to speak to kind of the, the whiteness of, of that specific cohort. So I used to date someone who lived in Maine. And I went and visited Maine. It, it is lovely. I would, I would uh, recommend it to anyone for a vacation. But that's beside the point. So anyways, I, the weirdest, <laughs> the weirdest thing. And, of course, she was white because she's from Maine. And uh, <laughs> so... <laughs> The weirdest thing was talking with her, like, white male friends there, and they were so excited to talk to me because I am from Minneapolis. Oh, wow. Yeah. You know, like, I had to, like, tell them, like, oh, yeah, like, I used to see, like, Slug at, like, Joe's Market, and, like, I used to Mm -hmm. work in a studio next to, like, POS. One time he almost backed over me with his car, like, just, like, losing their, I'm like, this really like this is what y'all care about from like Minneapolis. Right, right. yeah <laughs> very very interesting but also um i love that you brought up fair play because i was going to bring that up at some point so um fair play again can you quick quick shout to to the whole collective because you you can't just say it's like a justice league of hip-hop here without naming names come on <laughs> exactly so i got you so uh, everyone who is a part of the Rap Justice League is <laughs> the one and only Brandon Pulfis, DJ Hayes, myself, Mickey Breeze, yes, Minneapolis yes. Drew, Nerd D, and Tuvok the Word. There so, it is. Uh, 
yes, that is, that's the roster. That's the team. Those are my brothers. That's the squad. <laughs> I can't remember. When did, because, yeah, when when did that start again, did you say? Was that just a few mm-hmm. years ago or? Yeah, we're we're coming up on our two-year anniversary soon. Oh, shit. Yeah, yeah, obviously. That makes sense now that I remember what we yeah. were just talking about a second ago. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, dope. Um, Still in regards to, you know, just kind of how much we've all collectively been through these these last two years did at any point did you really think that like did it impact your your creative work like i'll just like personally for me like i was gigging quite regularly before the pandemic and once all that stuff came out i'm in the camp of it became very hard i think for me to be creative Mm -hmm. so was there any sort of or negative or positive something in between in regards to your work with music yeah so um i think it was a turning point for me as an artist i was actually just talking to uh somebody about this uh the other day literally you know Mm. like i didn't i didn't realize the impact that COVID had on my artistry until maybe a year after COVID had already been a thing, like after we had already been in lockdown. And so like I had, I had multiple gigs that were like, you know, monthly, like they were, they were weekly or monthly and um, Mm -hmm. it was contract work, things like that, things that I would host or perform and do things, you know, stuff like that. And so, you know, and I also had a full-time job as well. And so, you know, my full-time job took a lot of my energy and focus. So, um, you know, I didn't really, it, it, it wasn't, here's what I'm going to say in my mind, I feel like where, where I wanted my artistry to be, like, it wasn't where I wanted it to be as, as far as entrepreneur, like a full-time artist. So it it was kind of like in the back of my mind, which really like COVID really showed me how to shift my priorities because once COVID happened Mm -hmm. and it was like a year later, I realized that there was a a certain amount of income that wasn't coming in that it didn't hit me till, you know, it was kind of too late. And I was like, yo, like my, I need to put some more respect on my artistry (laughs) because this is a real thing. Like there's, there's really people depending on me to show up and, and hire me to do things and stuff like that. And, um, and yeah, it was COVID really, taught me how to have more respect for myself as an artist my artistry my presence in the community what I represent and the pillar that I am in certain communities and stuff like that and how I bear bear culture and so uh um so you know that could be a negative but I I look at it as a positive like it was a turning point it was a pivotal moment that I needed in these last two years to learn how to put some more respect on myself as an artist you know, in the community and stuff like that. So um, I'm grateful that it's picking back up. Um, but yeah, yesterday's price is not today's price is all I'm going to mm. say. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I'm going to call you uh, off mic about that later. No, I'm just kidding. Because <laughs> 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 right, we right. are tired and this guy is very tired. And <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. So I want to... You bring up a lot of things around being a student, learning, mm-hmm. education. Mm-hmm. And yeah. a little bird told me, and I believe them 200% now, um, yes. that you are kind of ecstatic about learning something new. I want to ask you right now, Lieutenant Sonny, is yes. there something new 
that you've picked up that you are extremely excited about? Oh, oh, all the time, all the time. Yes, I'm, I'm learning all the time, you know. Uh, and here's what I'm going to say. I feel like when once you become unteachable, you become a weapon to yourself. You know what I'm saying? Like you're on the path of self-destruction. So my shout out to the the mentors and the the pillars and the my ancestors living and passed on that, you know, instilled great things into me. But, you know, like, um, no, not but and Shout out to y'all, and I thank you for the way that you molded and fostered my potential and raised me because I, I feel like learning learning is the best gift that you could give to yourself and being being a student to each day, mm. you know, because things are changing. So if I, could, I can't say that I learned anything in particular that I'm super excited about and I can tell you about. <laughs> However... Mm-hmm. You know, if you listen to my music, that's what I'm going to say. Go ahead and listen to my music, stream my music, and you can hear what's on my mind and heart because <laughs> Lieutenant Sonny is pretty pre- parallel, very parallel to who I am as an individual being in the world. And I, I'm pretty open and authentic about my thoughts and feelings. And so um, my music, you know, and, and future music on the way, we'll mm-hmm. talk about the things that I'm learning right now. So no fun like uh like pandemic hobbies or practices that you picked up along the way that you mm. never thought Lieutenant Sonny would be about. Mm. You know what? I really got into juicing during the pandemic. Juicing. Really <laughs> what's 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 Lieutenant Sonny juicing up these days? Juicing, you know, I really love, I really love a good cleanse. I really love a good juice and, uh, you know, powering up my body with really great, uh, you know, vitamins all in, all in one sip. Um, I really love ginger. I really love green mm. juice, you know, um, a good pineapple, green apple. Um, what else do I put in there? Some oranges. Shouts to ginger for all the tummy aches yeah. that's helped. Oh yeah, paprika <laughs> to top it off. Oh my goodness, yes. You got some so, like yeah. sick hardware for that or what? Say, so, uh, you know, honestly, the the juices that I have. Shout out to my friend Jamie. She bought it to me. She bought it for me when I had COVID. Shout out to Jamie. Um, yeah, Jamie, love you. Um, she uh got me this really cool juicer from Target in it. I, you know, I forgot the dang, I forgot the name, but it, it it's not, it's not that crazy expensive, but and it also gets the job done really, really well. So, oh, okay, an easy cleanup too. So yes, that's key. Mm-hmm. All right, so we let's see here. Oh, I, I think this is a great point to segue into this too, and this is also probably kind of my favorite question usually to ask most of my guests here. Is I want to know, Lieutenant Sonny, uh, what in the last couple years, you know, despite all the crazy shit that keeps coming out every other week, it feels like all the mm-hmm. fucking trauma we've all been through. What in the last couple years do you think ha- has given you just pure, unadulterated black joy? Oh my goodness, minding my damn business. 
<laughs> yeah, I love to mind my business, you know, like, oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. No, but in all, like, no, I'm serious about that. But in all seriousness, I definitely really love going on adventures. I love it in the summertime, riding bikes and, you know, um, you know, doing the little scooters that are on the street and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. All the festivals and spending time with my sister and my niece and you know, family time, but all that wrapped in mind in my business, you know, and staying, staying out the way and just staying focused on myself, you know, <laughs> yeah. um, that's what it brings me joy, Spirit, my spirituality, praying and all that fun stuff. It, it that definitely brings me all the joy. I got to kind of ask too, and I probably should have asked this in the beginning, but, um, I gotta ask this too, as someone who gets asked all the time about my my artist persona name. Where did Lieutenant Sonny come from? Mm-hmm. What's yeah, the story? So, Set the yeah, record straight. So, I I got you right now. So the way so outside of outside of performing, people do call me Sonny. That is that is my given name, right? My God given name, I believe. You know, and yeah. so the story behind that nickname is. Uh, there was one day in particular, I was 19 years old. There was one day in particular, and I also believe in threes. So I went to three different locations doing three different things, trying to get things done, right? And mm-hmm. I introduced myself to three different people. And um, the first person, I was like, hi, my name is, insert my government name. And they were like, Summer? And I was like, no, it's my, no, I reset my real name, right? And that they were like, okay. So the second place I went to, they were like, Sunshine? And I was like, no, my name is such and such. And they were like, and they were like, oh, okay. And then the last person I saw that day, they were like, Sonny? Like, so they, they were mishearing what I said, but I was like, all three of these things had to do with sun, sunshine, and summer. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And so I was like, okay, I, I think you ain't gotta tell me too many times. So, you know, I, I adopted the name Sonny. And then um when I when I uh when I go out into the world, you know, I think we all need some type of armor to protect ourselves and, you know, get through like we're all superheroes in our own right, you know? And so I believe that I gravitated to Lieutenant um because I believe from a spiritual perspective, Lieutenant is second in command and the first command first in command to me is God. You know, so I don't want to be the top ruler of all things. I definitely I definitely have someone, a spiritual being that I answer to and that I believe in. And so that's where Lieutenant Sonny, the superhero, came from. <laughs> Interesting. Cool. Yeah. I was going to say, like, I feel like because, you know, I, I do know you a little bit personally um, outside of this. And I was going to say, like, I. Uh, Actually, no, I, I was going to say, like, I, I didn't think there was, like, any sort of military, like, <laughs> a, mm-hmm. a, affiliation with that name choice or family or anything like that. Just kind of, uh, you know, getting your vibe, what you're about. <laughs> so Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah, people do ask me if I've served or they say, you know, they, they make comments and I'm like, no, I haven't been in the service. But I'm, a, I'm, a, <laughs> I'm in the hood military, always fighting <laughs> yes, for what's right for what's just so yeah right on so um normally at this point in the interview we would probably start to wrap up but we do have a little extra time still and i think Mm -hmm. while we are interviewing you in the podcast format it would uh i think it would be be crazy for not uh for me to not ask you about your own podcast 
that I think oh, a lot yeah. of our listeners might be interested in. Yes. Um, so thank you. Thank you for this awesome segue. Yeah. So, yes, I do have a podcast. It's called The Sex Talk Podcast by Lieutenant Sunny. It's on all streaming platforms. And uh, basically what it's about is uh, I center from a queer, queer black femme big body lens i talk about mm-hmm. sex and the idea is to normalize conversation around sex sexuality and sensuality and so i talk about a broad range of things from the medical sense of sex and sexuality to gender gender identity gender expression sexual expression sexual attitudes in in the united states and i'm working on um different regions and all over the world you know um so I'm definitely a life scholar in that sense. And I've had like tons of different guests who are super amazing. Season six is on the way. But in the meantime, Ooh. you can check out seasons one through five. Um, but one yeah, through I've five. How many eps are you doing a season? Oh, 10. I do 10 episodes a season. Okay. And I have uh, five seasons so far. And season six is going to be crazy. Yeah. It's going to be ridiculous. So I'm super excited. I'm super excited. And I've talked about different topics from um, relations, relationship, not relationships, you know, because I believe, you know, <laughs> if you get into it, you'll you'll see my, my theory about relationship and explaining it. I talk about boundaries. I talk about jealousy, triggers, trauma. You know, I talk about sex. I talk about consent. All the all yes. the, all the things. So yeah, um, we've been going for two two years and some months now, and I just love it. I love it so much. Awesome. We... Oh, and you can find you can find it on Instagram as well. I post on Instagram to create conversation, um, and you can email me any feedback or anything like that at the sex talk TV at Gmail, and the the uh, Instagram is the sex talk pod the sex talk pod on instagram Ooh, do you have like any like mailbag or call-in segments you know I, i'm working on it i'm working on it might be for season six yeah yeah this is a vit mm-hmm. vitb sclusi sunny's gonna start yeah. taking your questions in season six <laughs> you heard it here fresh you heard it here first mm-hmm. okay well yeah i would say that just about wraps it up then at this point so last but not least i want to ask you is there anything that you have going on in the near future or far future that you would like to plug at this point or anything additional online. Keep in mind, Sonny, that um, I think this will come out in uh, sometime in September, maybe October. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. go ahead. Okay. Plug away. Yeah. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. Because <laughs> I was thinking um, about the show that's coming up August 19th. Um, however, you know, if you're not it hearing It fucking this, that... ruled. We all went... Yes, oh it was amazing. Yeah. Right, we're sticking it to the. It, it sold out. <laughs> it was all good. Yes, but um, yes. Uh, follow my podcast. Follow me on all uh streaming streaming platforms at uh Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, um uh, at E L L T E E S U N N I E L T Sunny. Um, you can find more information on FairPlayEntertainment.org about me and my peers. Um, and also uh. Dang, everything I have is coming up in August. Uh, yeah, this August. So, but just stay connected and be on the lookout because a lot of fun stuff is coming up. I'm working on a project. I'm not going to drop any tea about it yet, but um, it's going to be the largest project I've ever done. It's going to be really amazing and it's coming soon. But mm-hmm. just stay connected. 
just stay connected and talk to me. Don't be afraid to talk to me. And when you come to my shows, don't be afraid to stop by the merch table and say what's up. Tell me how you're feeling. Talk to me. Okay? So, yes. I would say that is a, a thousand percent accurate. Listeners, I have had the privilege to hang with Sunny amongst mutual friends. She is a treat and uh, a lovely person. Yes, I, I would say anyone could approach the lieutenant and uh, be met with uh, respect and kindness yeah. and sincerity yeah. and warmness. Um, you know what? Also, though, <laughs> I feel really dumb now. I really wanted to ask you too. You were just at um, like a like a comic con or something. Was that in Indiana? Yes. yes, I had the privilege of driving out to Indiana with uh, some of my Fair Play team, and I I performed with uh, Nerdy in the friendly neighborhood Spider Band. We performed two nights at Gen Con. I learned that it was not just the biggest gaming convention in the United States, but the world. What? And so, uh, yeah, it was a, it was a ton of fun. And I, oh my goodness, all four days out there with I, I've never seen that many games <laughs> in my life. I've never yeah. seen those. <laughs> it's and crazy, costumes. like how like yeah. deep that subculture goes. Because my partner yeah. is like kind of into the into that stuff a lot more than I am, and it it, it does shock me how how big that is. And yes. There's a lot of cool shit out there that you, you had no it, idea. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was it was huge. So many rooms. I couldn't even get into every room. The the main floor in itself had so many different tables, stands, all this stuff. And I I had uh, I had met um, that one of there was a few BIPOC uh, no there was a few black anime creators yes um i got i got to meet one of them i couldn't find all of them and along with like performing and getting ready for each night sure. and stuff like that but we're out here we're out here in all all places all spaces so it was really great bought some merch, merch from her shout out to her um and yeah it was good it was good so Did you cosplay as anything um <laughs> <laughs> yes i did i was i was darth I was Darth Sunny the second night yep. that we performed. I was Darth Sunny <laughs> on stage singing with a cape and the hood. <laughs> Are they on the socials? I haven't seen that. Yeah, yeah. It, I okay. didn't have my hood on in the pictures, but I did put my hood on. Well, you know I'm going to look right after we're done here. Yes, yep, yep. <laughs> cool. Oh, my God. That's dope. Okay, well... um, Great. I, I, I had a lovely time chatting here with you again and um, tons, tons, tons of cool, great shit out there on Lieutenant Sunny. Y'all heard it once again from Voices in the Back. I am Smellkid Ernesto. And one last big, big, uh, big ups to Lieutenant Sunny here. And we're really, really, really glad and happy that you were able to be on this. Yes, same. Thank you so much for having me and best wishes to Voices in the Back. I love what y'all are doing. Keep going and growing and doing great things. That's what we'd like. So, thanks <laughs> again for tuning in and we will catch y'all next time. Ciao. Bye. Voices in the Back is made possible by the voters of Minnesota through a grant from the Metropolitan Regional Arts Council, thanks to a legislative appropriation from the Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. VITB is a fiscally sponsored project of the Minnesota Music Coalition, a 501c3 nonprofit art service organization. All music used in the podcast was composed and produced by Smelkin Ernesto. 
engineering, and mastering of all podcast episodes has also been done by Smelkin Ernesto. For his music or other audio freelance work, find him at smelkinernesto.com. That's S-M-E-L-L-K-I-N Ernesto, E-R-N-E-S-T-O.com. And a huge big special thanks to all of the guests that participated in these interviews. Another thanks to the MMC and our biggest and most special thanks and shout out to Alexi Cassell and Anastasia Ellis who co-founded the entity known as Voices in the Back. 